Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Ball Review, speaking with Gary Blair, head coach of the Texas A&M women's basketball team. Coach, first off, thank you for taking time to speak to me. How you doing? I'm doing good. Y'all got a lot of rain down there in Houston, so we got a sprinkle up here, but we all needed it. The golf courses will be better because of it. How is your golf game, Coach? Well, I finally got my handicap back down to a nine, so it's taken a while. So uh, I guess when you move up to the senior tees, you're supposed to shoot a little bit better. But uh, other than that, I don't hunt or fish or doing the water sports. So when I'm not coaching basketball, I like to get out there for a good round of golf and bet a glass of iced tea on it or something like that. Well, you're very good at coaching basketball. So I understand the team, you and the team are going to Spain. So how does that work? How did, how did it come about? Did you approach someone or they approach you? How does that work, overseas trips? Well, what it means is mainly only your BCS schools are going to be able to afford it most of the time for at least the big trips to Europe or to Australia or something like that. You're allowed to go once every four years. So once when a kid signs with you, you say, well, this is where we went. Like our 2012 class went to Italy, to Rome, Florence, and Venice, and Lake Como. And before that, Michal's class in 2007 or eight, they went to France and Switzerland. And uh, then when I was in Arkansas, uh, we took our trip to Australia. And so generally... We find a place that's going to be good, that's going to have great tourist uh, attraction, and also we can get pretty good competition on the basketball front. And we go over there to play four games. Generally what the NCAA will allow you to do, you are allowed to work out for 10 days prior to that. So you can spread them out how you want them. So we worked out twice in June, once in July, and uh, – Seven workouts are uh, going on right now. Like we worked out defense from 11 to 12 today, and then we're going to come back from 3:30 to 5 and work on offense. And then we're going to meet and greet a lot of our people that are going on the trip with us. We've got a lot of boosters that are going as well. It's a trip of a lifetime for a lot of them as well. So, but I want our kids to be able to relate to them before we go overseas and we'll leave next Tuesday to do that. And how long will you be over overseas? We'll be 10 days. We'll fly into Madrid first and then from Madrid to Valencia and then finish up in Barcelona. And Barcelona is one of the 10 greatest cities in the world. So I'm really looking forward to that. And I look back to my days Myself, I went overseas in 1975 after the Marine Corps and after I'd finished my master's. I'd already taught for two years in high school, and that's the best thing I ever did. Travel, travel, see the country. Back then, you could do it for a whole lot cheaper. I spent six weeks in Europe and England for $2,000. While staying in the five to ten dollar hotels and going on the Eurorail Pass and meeting people all along the way. 
And uh, I did not speak any other language, so it was just good meeting other Americans or Canadians or people from their country. So I had a blast. It's something that I really recommend kids when they get out of college before they start their real jobs and get into the real world for the next 40 to 50 years. Travel, experience everything, because once you get started, you're probably not going to be able to afford it later until you retire. How's your Spanish, Coach? El Bodro Sabi Mosquito. That's what my Spanish teacher taught us in the eighth grade, and that's still the only thing I can remember, and that means the donkey is smarter than you. (laughs) She gave that to us, and I can read, I know a little bit of the vocabulary, but I cannot conjugate or carry on a sentence, but I know a few words, but uh, it's going to be fun, but it's funny, that's the only phrase that I can remember is what she taught our Spanish class in the eighth grade, Mrs. Lieberman. <laughs> what do you know about the uh, teams you're going to be playing? I mean, any scouting reports, anything like that on them? Uh, not much. We called Oklahoma, who made that trip last year. Oklahoma and Memphis both went to Spain. And we got a little bit of an idea. The weather's going to be hot over there. It's uh, but not near as humid as probably it is here. But uh, we're going to blend in sightseeing. We don't work out once we're over there. We just play games. We work out here. The trip is set up for bonding. I've got eight new kids, five new freshmen, two McDonald All-Americans transfers that will be sitting out this year, and then a fifth-year senior who played in Houston in her sophomore and junior year. That's Lulu McKinney, Clarence McKinney's daughter, who's the football coach Mm -hmm. at A&M, the running backs coach. Mm -hmm. So she transferred from UTEP knowing that we need a backup point guard. And so she'll be backing up our freshman, uh, Kendi Carter, this year. And and that's pretty good. You can find a kid in her fifth year that's already started for two years. Are you – I mean, you've seen it all throughout your coaching career in terms of the number of new faces. How does it compare to other seasons in your career? I think similar to the 2012 class. And it was funny, that class was ranked number two in the nation. And, of course, Connecticut was number one, and they proved it by those three, uh, well, the first three draft choices. And then, but out of that class that we had, we had three, two drafted, and another one to the WBA, and another one, another two out of that class that played over in Europe. So uh, this class is ranked number nine in the country, two in the SEC. My staff has done a great job. And it's led by Kennedy Carter. And Kennedy uh, was the best player in the state of Texas last year, Mansfield Timberview. She just got finished uh, with the USA team. She was one of the youngest members, and they lost the gold medal game to Russia over there in the U-19 and unders, but she had 31 points in that ball game. So I think I've got somebody coming in here that can score and create for others. And then we've got two Georgia kids coming in, India Jones, a 6'2 post player, 
and then uh, Jada Walton, uh, 5'11 guard. Then we got Kayla Wells, a six-foot guard, coming in from South Grand Prairie. And then Emmer Nichols, who's from Houston, Westbury Christian, 6'5 center. And she's going to have to come along a little bit slower, similar to what Carla Gilbert did when Carla played for us. But Carla had an outstanding career here, being a local kid and backing up Daniel Adams and then backing up uh, Kelsey Bone. And then as a senior, she started and had a great year. Then she went overseas. How has recruiting changed just in the last few years with social media's impact and and, uh, things like that? Recruiting has changed because kids want instant gratification in everything in life. It's not just sports. It's everything, whether it's Snapchat or Instagram or texting or whatever. They can't wait. They got to know right now. And you're driving down the car, and all of a sudden, uh, your email goes off your text. Unfortunately, people, not just kids, are picking up their phone right there and checking, oh, my gosh, there's a message coming in. Well, that message will still be there when you stop your car. But that's where we are right now. Recruiting has changed because I think the involvement of summer coaches and everything and Unfortunately, kids that are going places, they transfer after a year if they do not have instant success. Well, just think between me and you, when we got out of college at uh, 22, I got out a little bit longer than that. We weren't an instant success out there. We were not Ezekiel Elliott or Dak Prescott. So we had to earn our way up to the top. And this is what I wish parents would understand. Quit fighting your kids' problems. Let them fail. And then they will rise up. You learn by failures. Sometimes you don't learn by always having success in everything that you do. You need to fall on your face a little bit. Like I did when I was young, pick yourself up and reflect. Study what you need to do to be better as a person, as a player, or as a student. And that's just something that we're not willing to wait for that. And then we go to our support staffs, and here's our parents a lot of times bailing us out. Oh, well, you're not getting enough playing time. Well, let's transfer to this school. And that's what's going on right now. It's not good, and it's particularly not good in the basketball world. Remember when Kelsey Bone transferred here? Mm -hmm. That was the first transfer I'd ever had. In all my years of coaching, the first one, because kids usually stayed where they were, or I wasn't going to pick up anybody else's transfer. But, of course, a kid of that magnitude to have a chance to come home. But since then, I've probably had five or six kids transfer in. And that's what's going on in football. If if you're a quarterback in football and you're not playing by your second year, you're transferring because you want to be the the next Johnny Menzel. So that's the part of sports that I don't like. But 
But Chris, it's not just happening in high school and college. Like I'm watching my Rangers and Mets right now on TV. Okay. Um, by the way, my Rangers are finally winning a game. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they're up five to one in the bottom of the ninth. But two thirds of the players on the Rangers teams did not start in their organization. They're traded. Are they going to free agent? They go, well, whoever's going to pay them the highest amount of money. I mean, I grew up as a kid, and the Giants and the Yankees were my teams. I hated the Dodgers. The Giants and the Yankees, because there was no Astros or even Colt 45s or Rangers back then. And I knew every player, their batting average in the whole nine yards. And Willie Mays was going to be in center field. Uh, Don Mueller would be over there in right. Uh, he just knew Whitey Ford was going to pitch shutouts for the Yankees. Mickey Mantle in center field. Maris over there in right. Yogi Berra behind the plate. Scalvin at first base. Bobby Richardson at second. Trash or Gilbert Dougal. Uh, Boyer at third. You knew them. Now it's changing. I'm having to change with it. So, but I still love the game. I'm not going to quit watching baseball or basketball or football. But the adjustments you have to make as a person, particularly if you're a coach now in recruiting, it's completely different now. If you could wave your magic wand, I said, Coach Blair, make one thing in women's college basketball, improve upon it what would it be? Teach kids what an individual workout is all about, where they could learn how to shoot the ball correctly. Shooting is a dying art. Kids are just making moves now. They're more excited about the spin reverse or the the 360 up in the air or the three-point shot or something like that. I want kids to still have that flair for the dramatics, but I want them to learn the game. It's just like in baseball. If you're hitting 240 or 250, you're a millionaire right now. Okay? 240 or 250. Okay, in basketball, I think kids need to have a higher shooting percentage. Shoot less, but make more. Work for your shots, move your feet, get your balance, know what a good shot is. And that's what we're lacking is people that know how to teach the jump shot. And you need to start on that way back in the fifth, sixth, and seventh grade instead of shooting it from the shoulder or the elbow out or all the funky shots that you see now. That's what I'd like to do is is not necessarily go back to old school ball or anything like that, but value the jump shot. What Reggie Miller could do, what Steph Curry is doing now, way back, uh, Rolando Blackman, the great shooters of the game. Jerry West, uh, I love to see somebody that's in love with their shot, not in their moves. Who was, in your opinion, who is the best shooter in women's basketball? Wow. 
uh, well, the best shooter I ever coached for a mid-range game was Courtney Walker. Okay, she couldn't shoot the three, but she killed it, and that's why she's the all-time leading scorer, replacing our Houston girl, Takia Starks, who was also mid-range, but she could shoot the three a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And But the best shooter, oh, gosh. Uh, yeah, there were some good ones way back when I was at Louisiana Tech. Uh, we had Angela Turner, who was a Kodak All-American back there, two-guard who was very, very good. She played on Kim Mulkey's teams back then. Uh, shooter, per se, uh, I'm going to have to think on that one. I'll come back, and I'll I'll find that great three-point shooter. Uh, you look at the great players out there, uh, the Sue Birds out there, the Dinah Tarassis, those Connecticut kids, uh, the Cheryl Miller back in the old days, the Nancy Lieberman, the Inga Neeson, Janice Lawrence, uh, and you look in today's games, uh, Angel McCautry for Atlanta. Uh, she can just go on and on. The talent is unbelievable in the WNBA right now. The talent at the top level of women's basketball is very good. What we've got to do is increase that mid-level teams uh good women's basketball is very very enjoyable to watch bad women's basketball is not a lot of fun okay it's not a lot of fun there's too many turnovers there's too many kids that do not know the game but not everybody can be blessed by having great players all the time i follow that talent pretty good and i've been pretty blessed but I know a lot of my friends would love to have at least one of the players that I've had at Texas A&M or Arkansas or Stephen F. We've got to do a better job teaching and developing with the younger kids. We're playing a lot of summer ball right now, which there's nothing wrong with that. But uh, the trouble with summer ball, sometimes you're playing more games than you're practicing. And... That's what we need to do. We need to find time for the individual workouts for them to put those headphones down and the cell phones away and their, hell, they don't have purses anymore or whatever, knapsacks or whatever, and get out on the court and just enjoy the game as it is because it's a beautiful game. Summarize for me the Aggies season last year. And then, as well, your overall impressions of last season women's college basketball. When two th- that 2012 class graduated, and they all did very well, now all of a sudden we came in with a new class or kids that have been on the bench that have been waiting their turn. Uh, say like Curtis Knox from Atascacita there in town. She was a fifth-year senior that had to play behind Jordan Jones. And all of a sudden, in her senior year, she turned it on where she led the nation in assists. Had a great year. And she'll be going overseas to play uh, this year in Israel. And I thought she'd make the WNBA, but sometimes that was a year that they didn't need 
enlarge as much as they needed other positions. So she's going to go overseas and continue her career. But uh, Danny Williams at the two guard went from averaging three points a game to 17. And she's one of the best shooters we've ever had here at A&M. Left-hander that's really worked on her game. We had a combination of Taylor Cooper, uh, a fifth-year senior last year that could shoot the three, that just knew the game, and Jazz Lumpkin, uh, who now lives in Houston, originally from Illinois. They sort of shared the position. Andrea Howard at the four position, I think she's the most exciting player in the SEC. She's not the best player. She's the most exciting player because of her rebounding, how hard she plays. She's all over the court. Dennis Rodman would love to call her his daughter. (laughs) That's not going to happen, but she's a rebounding machine, and she's a great kid, communications major. She's going to go into broadcasting as soon as this ends. uh, But she's just a delight to coach every day in practice, every day during ball games. She's at 120%. Our five player went from seven points a game to 16 and a half. That was Kyla Hillsman. She's now going into her senior year, or like we like to call it at the high level, she's going into her contract year, depending on how well she plays. But she was second team all SEC, just like Danny Williams and Curtis Knox were. And her body frame is great. Uh, She's just going to go out there, but we're going to be able to give her more backup this year. We've got a lot deeper team. So with those five that I just named right there, Longman Lumpkin, basically we played six players last year out of a 10-player team. Drama-free year, one of the most enjoyable years as a staff that we've had because the kids responded to teaching first and then coaching. And we had some great wins, beating Tennessee at Tennessee, my first time ever. Okay, uh, going in lead Mississippi State here by seven in the uh, fourth quarter. We didn't finish it, but we got close. Uh, going to the NCAA tournament, and all of a sudden, uh, we're down 22 in the fourth quarter. We come back and beat a very, very good 10 team. We lost the next game to UCLA on their home court. They were better than us. They went on to that next level. So last year, in a nutshell, we maxed out what we had where people were not even expecting us to get to the tournament. We ended up as a fifth seed, and due to the strength of schedule we played, and it was just a very enjoyable year. But this year, we think it's even going to be better. What about at, talk about your thoughts on South Carolina win first championship, uh, Mississippi State ending UConn's winning streak, and the whole you know, Final Four really. Your thoughts on the Final Four? First, it was great for the game. Second, it was in my hometown of Dallas. It is the first sellout that we've had. The first sellout that we've had since about 2009 because when we won in 2011 it didn't sell out 
the reason it is selling out now, it has gone to back to a Friday, Sunday instead of a Sunday, Tuesday. And people can take off that long to watch the final four. And no matter what city we put it in. So we've done a better job of bringing the game back to where it used to be, where Friday, Sunday, the men play Saturday, Monday. And that's what really happened there. I thought uh, when my old assistant, Coach Schaefer, beat Connecticut, basketball needed that. I mean, Geno's won enough, and he's going to continue to win. So don't feel sorry for Geno. He's absolutely loaded this year, and he's a good chance he'll win it. Uh, but basketball needed that. And I'm happy for Vic. I was there pulling for him, and my league won the SEC. Mm-hmm. Then the South Carolina uh, Mississippi State game. I don't think Mississippi State had enough left in this tank to compete with South Carolina. South Carolina played a perfect game. Asia Wilson, who'll be the best player in the country this year. They won the national championships without their number three draft choice in the pros, Elena Coates. They won it with great guard play. Uh, the Davis and the Gray kid were tremendous, and it was just their time. And it was good for women's basketball. We needed somebody in the SEC to have a national championship besides Tennessee, which they have eight of them. Remember, we won our championship when I was in the Big 12. Throughout the SEC. How important is the success of the SEC or the SEC having success for women's college basketball? I think it is. Uh, when you just look at the histories of the program, every game is a dogfight. You got 16 games and you just loaded for bear every game. Like, I'm opening up this season coming up at South Carolina. It's my first game. <clears throat> and then I got Tennessee in my fourth game and Auburn and Georgia in between. So it just had to slow down. I mean, what a way to uh, welcome in New Year's Eve. I'm playing in Columbia, South Carolina. South Carolina needs – the SEC needs to win – in a lot of sports, for we will not just be known as a football conference. Okay? We're, we're winning in everything. Whether you're talking about softball or volleyball or equestrian or whatever, the SEC is just loaded with schools that have made the commitment for women and men's athletics. And I think when A&M switched over, we didn't switch over because we were going to go to a stronger conference. We switched over mainly because what was happening probably down there with the Longhorn Network down there, and we switched over to go to a great league who wanted us to share revenue with them and be part of a 14-team conference that was just very, very special. And... Uh, yeah, we loved our relationships with Texas and Baylor and Texas Tech and Oklahoma and so on. But at the same time, it was the best move for Texas A&M at the time financially, and it was the best move for in the long run. And then what it's done, 
it's opened up the state of Texas, particularly in football, for the SEC recruiting. It isn't all just A&M. Everybody's coming in here now because of the footprint that A&M has led for them, and they're coming into Houston and Dallas and other places. They're recruiting like heck in this place. Did the move to the SEC open doors for you and the staff in recruiting? I think it did. Uh, deep South it did. That's why we got three Georgia kids right now. And actually a kid that left us this year, she was another Georgia kid. Uh, so if you could just give me the state of uh, Texas and Georgia, I'll give you the other 48 states. I mean, that's how loaded Texas and Georgia is in every sport. But we go, we get there into Arkansas. Louisiana's been very good to us. Oklahoma, of course, has been good. We sneak into the Midwest, up into the Illinois, Indiana area. But the national championship opened up those doors as much as us moving to the SEC. The summer period, recruiting period, just ended. Overall, did you see more athletes than basketball players or basketball players than athletes? All right, now try uh, – okay, on the summer part. Okay, now let's see where you're going. Unfortunately, during the summer, you do not have enough time to do the workouts because most of your kids are coming from all over the state. And so there, you can't just work out every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday at 6 o'clock at the rec center and everybody show up because they're spread out. So basically, you're trying to accumulate as much talent as you can and let the talent take over in the game. During the summer, they play more of a wide-open game. There's not a whole lot of set plays. There's not a whole lot of post play. The summer is dominated by guards that are flying down the court and shooting the ball sometimes a little bit too much. Very rarely are you going to see four to five passes in a possession. And the majority of the summer is done without a shot clock. Okay, there's only a couple of tournaments that have shot clocks. Other than that, it's just like high school. Uh, I think it's, it's good what has changed in the summer. We're going to convention centers now. Okay. Like, you go up in Dallas, you might be playing at Frisco at 16 great courts, or you might be at the Gaylord Center in a, in sort of a resort area where there might be four courts down there. Or you go to Chicago, you're playing on 70 courts in a convention center. The same way in Atlanta, the same way in New Orleans, same way in Washington, D.C., uh, those are the big here, same way in Louisville that you're going to. That's where the game has changed, where you used to have to drive around. Now you just go from court to court. Generally, you know what courts you want to see, what level I want to be at. And generally, if there's 70 courts, I'm really only looking at about four courts where the top players are playing on those courts. And 
that's what's changed. Volleyball's done the same thing. Gone to convention centers. Football's gone to seven on seven. Baseball, you got select baseball teams playing everywhere. So I'd love to be a kid again and have all these opportunities because my baseball was over a lot of times the end of June unless you made the playoffs. And it might go through the second week in July. That was it. We were through. Now these kids are going on forever, and they're getting 50 to 60 games under their belt. They're getting better through repetition and competition. But some of them are too tired to learn the game because they're playing too much. Sometimes summer needs to be a summer. They need to be kids. I'm going to shift gears just a little bit. I know, you, as you said a few minutes ago, Final Four was in your hometown of Dallas. But what would it mean to you for Women's Final Four to be in Houston? Well, we worked on it. A&M was part of it with uh, University of Houston trying to bring the national championship. But we were sort of on the back burner because, see, Dallas should have had it about four to five years ago. So I think the committee said, hey, we need to go back. So instead of going to the Tampa Bays and the Denver's and places that really did not need it, Dallas should have been there before. And they put on a great bid for it. And that's just something, uh, to be honest, Houston's doing a great job of producing talent. The one thing Houston is lacking in there's facilities during the summer to have big tournaments down there. If you don't go to the high school gyms, uh, they need to build some of these superstructures that the other cities have. And they could be used for indoor soccer, basketball, volleyball, a lot of different things, uh, taekwondo, anything. But Houston just doesn't have that right now. We're behind in developing it. But if Houston would have been downtown, it was so convenient. You wouldn't want to have to drive anywhere. It was going to be the perfect setting. And I think in years to come, we need to go harder since two of the best Final Fours I've ever been to now have always been in San Antonio and in Dallas. So Houston's next. Sounds good to me. I don't want to take up too much of your time, so we're going to wrap it up. Is there anything that you want to mention that we haven't discussed so far? I need my Rangers to win two out of three against your Astros this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I look, I like Houston. I want to see them win the World Series because I know my Rangers can't this year. Okay, so I'll be pulling for Houston to beat the Dodgers in the World Series. Uh, but basketball, I just want people and parents to realize we've got one of the greatest games out there and go out there and encourage your kids, be there for them. Soon as the game's over, quit second guessing the coach, the summer coaches, the high school coaches, or even us college coaches, enjoy the moment with your kid. And instead of criticizing, 
soon as you get out there, are listening to the player criticize another player or a coach or why I didn't get to play enough. Enjoy the moment. It gets it gets very special. It's the best time of your life growing up as a kid. And as a parent, there's nothing better than going to a game and watching your kid play a game that you used to play. There's nothing better. When my son got a double in Little League off of the center field fence, I went through my whole high school career without a double. And to see my son get it, it was pretty special. And I felt a lot of pride. But I even felt more pride on how he handled himself as a young person playing the game and doing it the right way. He ended up being a soccer player. And that was fine because I know a whole lot about soccer now. Uh, Most of the people listening, 98% of them, cannot tell you what an offside trap is. I know what an offside trap is, but that's coming from a soccer family now. So I love soccer, okay? I love soccer. And if you want to come watch a good soccer team, come watch our women's soccer team here with Coach G. They're excellent. Yes, they are. Coach Gary Blair, as always, it's my pleasure speaking with you. And I will make a point to to uh, come to College Station to uh, see the team this season. I want to thank you for your time. Um, and we will talk soon. Have, have a safe trip in, to Spain. Enjoy the opportunity. And I will speak with you when you get back. All right. Thank you, Chris. Thank you very much.